welcome to the Age of Organizational Effectiveness. This is the podcast that explores stories about organizations and their performance. I'm your host, Charles Chandler. Today, we have episode 95 in our podcast series. Its title is Reinventing Management. In this episode, I want to talk about the need to reinvent management and suggest a way forward to achieve it. I like to think of management as a technology that makes all other technologies productive if done right. Yet today's dominant form of management, which is called command and control, relies upon an outdated input-output model developed during the Industrial Revolution that values efficiency as the highest good and frequently creates negative side effects among internal actors and within the environment. Today I will describe a more meaningful input-outcome model for management that values positive organizational effectiveness as the highest good and serves to sustain or improve the health of both the organization and its environment as a holistic system. But let's go back to how I arrived at my view that management needs to be reinvented. In the 1980s, I found myself in New Delhi, India, working for the World Health Organization, WHO, in the regional office for Southeast Asia. It was during the UN's International Drinking Water Supply and Sanitation Decade that ran from 1981 to 1990, better known as the UN Water Decade. At the time, I was the project manager for WHO and UNDP's Advisory Services Project, which was part of the decade. My job entailed visiting countries in the region to see what was going right and what was going wrong with the Water Decade and help participating government organizations improve their programs. Government agencies in participating countries thought they knew what end-users needed since they had been providing water and sanitation services for decades. They said they just needed more funds to build more facilities. But completed facilities were frequently in disrepair, and others were not utilized by end-users for the purposes intended due to a variety of reasons. The goal of the UN Water Decade was to expand the coverage of safe water and adequate sanitation in participating countries. The focus on coverage, in other words access to services, turned out to be an unfortunate choice because the goal typically resulted in a numbers game in each country where success was measured in rural areas, for instance, by how much of the population was covered with hand pumps and latrines. If rural users were within a few minutes' walk from a hand pump, they were deemed to have access to safe water supply. The fact that some of the hand pumps were in disrepair and others were not being used for their intended purposes was not easily reflected in the system. Much of the problem was due to a conceptual gap between the planners and the end users. They didn't understand each other. The planners were delivering engineering solutions based on their technical training, but the adoption and use of their solutions was hampered in traditional societies by the embedded patterns of thought found in the social and cultural narratives of the past. Later in the UN Water Decade, WHO urged governments to look beyond coverage to ensure the continued functioning of the completed facilities and their utilization by end-users for the intended purposes. This example highlights a fundamental problem at the heart of traditional management approaches. That is, what counts as meaningful accomplishment, 
As we will see, the overall program goal for the UN water decade was set at the wrong level. A largely meaningless supply-side output which focused on coverage, which then drove what was delivered during implementation and the subsequent evaluation of completed activities. Traditional management does not distinguish between arbitrary output-level objectives and meaningful outcome-level objectives during the objective-setting process, and later during program implementation and evaluation. This problem was baked into management science at the beginning, and has not been corrected since. Historical examples of this fundamental problem can be found in the scientific management movement of Frederick Winslow Taylor from his book in 1911, or the management by objectives approach pioneered by Peter Drucker in his 1954 book, as well as some more recent management remedies such as OKRs or objectives and key results from the book by John Doerr. So what's wrong with traditional management? While Gary Hamill of the London Business School has called management the technology of human accomplishment, traditional management approaches often fail to produce meaningful results. As a technology, management needs to be reinvented because it remains organization-centric and locked into a largely meaningless input-output model that values efficiency as the highest good. Early theories viewed organizations as rational systems. In other words, social machines of a sort, meant for the efficient transformation of material inputs into material outputs, organizations were often depicted as largely closed entities separated from the surrounding environment. Inputs arrived at a factory, engineers determined what technologies to use for processing, and outputs evaporated off loading docks, all in support of built-in assumptions. In the traditional input-output model, an organization extracts resources from its environment as inputs, internally processes the inputs to produce outputs, and returns to the environment the outputs it produces and the waste products it has created. While this model has been the historical basis for organizations large and small, it generally fails to produce meaningful and timely evidence for management decision support and frequently creates negative side effects among internal actors and within the environment. Traditional management is so familiar that it's hard for most people to conceive of anything else. Its features include top-down, command and control, originally designed for repetitive manual work. Objectives focus primarily on output production and cascaded down from the top of the hierarchy to the lower levels. It's largely authoritarian and bureaucratic in nature. Efficiency is the highest good, reflecting an isolated and largely closed system. It's an input-output model, which is organization-centric and within management's full control. It requires objectives to be clear, but virtually any objective is acceptable. Positive values are largely optional, meaning little self-regulation. Intermediation services, that is balancing supply and demand, are performed by the market, utilizing financial and economic benefit exchanges between relevant actors. And finally, waste products are returned to the environment. In the traditional approach, managers at the top of the hierarchy identify goals and develop strategy, sending directives to the lower levels. This approach conforms to the early goal model of organizational effectiveness, wherein an organization is believed to be effective 
if it accomplishes its stated goals, which are set by management. Despite its continued widespread use, the goal model has been debunked by scholars. Only some goals are relevant to effectiveness, and even when a stated goal is achieved, an organization may not be judged effective. Goals set at the top by the executive team simply make the organization responsible to the top of the hierarchy for its approval, rather than to the customers or end users that need to support the organization if it is to be successful. This is not a good place to be. For much of my career, I was involved in projects and programs in international development, having helped design and implement over 800 initiatives worth more than 80 billion U.S. dollars in countries around the world, not counting the water decade. A few years ago, I began a survey of the literature on organizational theory to see what it had to say about the concept of organizational effectiveness, often called OE. Based on my international development experience, I thought I knew what effectiveness was in projects and programs, but I was shocked to find that organizational scholars could not identify a verifiable concept of OE, and their field was in disarray. There were at least five prominent models of effectiveness, including the gold model, but none could be objectively verified in the field. Despite the lack of a verifiable model, scholars agreed that OE was the highest level of organizational performance and was expected to be the capstone concept that brought other aspects of organizational theory together into a unified whole, assuming a verifiable concept of effectiveness could be found. Currently, organizational effectiveness is viewed by many scholars as an enigma with characteristics of a wicked problem. The main issue continues to be how to define the concept of effectiveness, because we need to know effectiveness when we see it. R.L. Kahn wrote in 1977 that to be effective is merely to have effects. The problem is what effects accord with the concept of organizational effectiveness. For me, achieving organizational effectiveness is about managing for meaningful outcomes. That is, achieving contextual, specific effects that can be observed directly in the field to provide a relevant and favorable demand-side response. Management technology needs to put aside the traditional and largely meaningless input-output model to adopt a more meaningful input-outcome model that values organizational effectiveness as the highest good and serves to sustain or improve the health of the organization and its environment as a holistic system. This is what managing for meaningful outcomes is all about. Let me define the two terms that must work together to provide meaningful outcomes. Meaningful refers to relevant contextual specific effects observed in the field that can serve as markers for the types of outcomes we seek. Outcome, although a common English word, has two somewhat different meanings. One, the final result, or how a thing turns out. This is not the one I'm using. The second meaning of outcome is an effect caused by an antecedent. It is this one that I associate with meaningful outcomes. In other words, an effect that results from a stimulus that logically precedes it. Managing for meaningful outcomes requires a more comprehensive model than the traditional input-output model that has only two levels and acts as a largely closed system. Since the late 1960s, open system theories have reconceptualized organizational boundaries as porous and problematic. 
In this context, consider the four-level model, including input, output, outcome, and impact levels, available from the logical framework of results-based management. It has been used in international development since the 1960s, beginning in USAID. The four levels comprise a hierarchy of goals or objectives within the model. This hierarchy was originally designed to serve temporary organizations such as projects and programs, but has been extended recently in the Outcome Focus Model, or OFM, to serve organizations more generally. While the new model uses the hierarchy of objectives from results-based management, it improves upon it by dividing supply from demand. In the new model, the supply-side input and output levels are within the control of management, while the demand-side outcome and impact levels are outside the control of management, that is, in the environment. This creates a truly open system model of organizational performance by giving meaning to both environmental context and environmental response. Managing for meaningful outcomes incorporates a demand-side test of effectiveness for an organization's offerings. For meaningful outcomes and effectiveness in temporary or permanent organizations, actors in the environment must be attracted to the organization's offerings or outputs, then initiate the behaviors of uptake, adoption, or use, in other words, meaningful outcomes, for instance, an agricultural extension project could be judged effective only if the local farmers first adopt and use a new package of farming techniques viewed as key to project success. Without the farmer's favorable response, the results chain fails, and the project is judged ineffective. Of course, it also helps to involve the farmers initially at an early stage of project design to provide feedback on the available options. In managing for meaningful outcomes, the focus is on the outcome level because the link from outputs to outcomes is the weakest link in the results chain. If expected outcomes can be observed in the field, it means that the weakest link is effective and implies that the entire results chain is viable. The outcome level represents the immediate demand side effects that can be observed in the field. Further along the results chain, in other words, inputs, outputs, outcomes, and finally impacts, impacts can be simply thought of as the longer-term effects that are propagated when meaningful outcomes are sustained and spread throughout the environment. Our approach is not called managing for meaningful impacts, however, because the time lag from achievement of outcomes until the appearance of impacts is too great, on the order of five years, to provide feedback for management decision support. In addition, it's expensive to measure impacts, and I argue that a formal impact assessment is unnecessary in most cases as long as meaningful outcomes are continually monitored and remain favorable. The achievement of meaningful outcomes is not certain because outcomes and impacts occur in the environment, outside the direct control of management, and causality can be nonlinear, unpredictable, interdependent, and intertwined at multiple levels in complex environments. Success depends upon the ability of the organization to understand the context for its service to the environment, then experiment to confirm what works now. Favorable outcomes are verified by observing emergent behaviors that are induced in the environment in response to the outputs on offer. Managing for meaningful outcomes has the following features and characteristics. 
First, meaningful outcomes are achieved in the environment surrounding the organization using specific behavioral markers for effectiveness. Next, the environment is assumed to be complex at the start. Thus, causality may be unpredictable and intertwined, and the results chains involve conjecture. Managing for meaningful outcomes is about inducing favorable effects in a system that's not under management control. It involves self-regulation of processes in order to uphold positive organizational values and reduce or eliminate negative side effects. Intermediation services, which balance supply and demand, are performed by the environment, including the market, utilizing a variety of benefit exchanges, such as financial and economic, social and psychological, environmental and spiritual, between the relevant actors. Adopting this new management approach requires a major cultural shift to an experimental, self-regulatory, and adaptive culture. Let's consider a real-world example of managing for meaningful outcomes, this time from a World Bank finance program that I helped design. Bird flu in Asia occurs in a complex environment where wild migrating birds acting as the reservoir for the virus seasonally intermingle with domestic poultry to spread the disease. The goal of the World Bank Finance Program was to achieve physical separation between the domestic and wild flocks to interrupt the spread of the virus in participating countries. This is an outcome-level goal because uptake adoption or use of cages was expected by domestic poultry producers to achieve program success. If we visit the field during program implementation and find that cages are indeed being used for the containment of domestic flocks, separation between the domestic and wild flocks has been achieved and the intervention can be judged effective. The expected longer-term impact of the program would be that bird flu does not return, assuming the outcome-level effects continue to be sustained over time. In this example, the key to success is outlining a results chain that specifies the exact behaviors that must be induced on the demand side to qualify as meaningful outcomes, then confirmation of the expected outcomes through direct observation of the key behaviors involving cage use in the field once the outputs, that is the cages, become available. Why manage for meaningful outcomes? Well, it offers a more meaningful way to manage, supported by theory and practice. It's equivalent to managing for organizational effectiveness, which is the highest level of performance. Since effectiveness can now be verified in the field under our new model, it becomes the meta-goal for every organization, and no other goals are needed at the top, as effectiveness is the highest good, both in the short term and in the long term. Meaningful outcomes observed in the field provide timely feedback for decision support that is, for management of a portfolio of offerings. The new approach reduces or eliminates negative side effects through self-regulation, utilizing positive values and by accepting responsibility internally for waste reprocessing. This is true evidence-based management where causation is established by experimentation and a direct observation of meaningful outcomes in the real world. It should be noted that organizational effectiveness is judged in the short term by confirming the presence of meaningful outcomes in the field for a portfolio of offerings. In other words, the specific behaviors of uptake, adoption, or use within the defined results chain for each offering. 
Longer-term measures of effectiveness are reflected at the impact level as meaningful outcomes accumulate over time, allowing for spread effects to take hold throughout the environment, integrating instantaneous outcome measures of effectiveness over time. So how should we manage for meaningful outcomes? First, start with the meta-goal of the organization is to be effective within its chosen environment by achieving meaningful outcomes and sustaining or improving the system as a whole. Number two, develop a portfolio of offerings, one at a time, to serve the environment while conforming to the organization's core competencies, quality standards, and positive values. Number three, pilot tests to verify the effectiveness of each offering on a small scale by observing the expected demand-side responses consistent with results chain hypotheses. Number four, utilize observations of outcome-level results in the field to provide management decision support to scale up the production of successful offerings where desirable and feasible. For me, the technology involved in managing for meaningful outcomes is equivalent to the technology of management by positive organizational effectiveness that I described in my 2017 book, Become Truly Great. It should be noted that improvements in effectiveness are additive across the portfolio due to cumulative benefit exchanges, but efficiency improvements achieved in individual parts of an organization can come at the expense of the efficiency of the organization as a whole. An often quoted view among organizational consultants and practitioners is that efficiency is about doing things right, while effectiveness is about doing the right things. Peter Drucker meant this statement to refer to the effectiveness of executives, not their organizations. When it comes to organizations, efficiency experts proudly declare that efficiency is the domain of doing the right things right the first time and every time. Effectiveness, on the other hand, as discussed today, is something entirely different. It's not about doing anything within the organization. It's about achieving something outside of it that is meaningful outcomes. Under our new approach to management, the meta goal of every organization is the same. That is to be effective within its environment while sustaining or improving the system as a whole. The approach focuses the attention of the organization on its external interface and it is encouraged to be in tune with the immediate and future needs of its environment. The focus on meaningful outcomes improves the way that the outputs are designed and delivered because internal actors come to realize that outputs are waste without the behaviors of uptake, adoption, or use associated with the achievement of meaningful outcomes. In conclusion, a focus on meaningful outcomes offers significant benefits for projects, programs, and organizations more generally, as well as the wider world. The traditional approach to management, still commonly in use, is based on a largely meaningless input-output model where efficiency is the highest good. In such a model, the organization extracts resources from the surrounding environment, internally processes the inputs to produce outputs, and returns to the environment the outputs it produces and the waste products it has created. While this model has been historically important, it generally fails to provide meaningful and timely evidence for management decision support and largely ignores any negative side effects on internal actors and the negative side effects that affect the environment. As long as efficiency is the highest good, as in the traditional input-output model, 
principles of humanistic management and environmental conservation will fall victim on the altar of efficiency. Unless changed, the traditional management model will continue to imperil the world that we live in. Going forward, management technology needs to adopt a more meaningful input-outcome model that values positive organizational effectiveness as the highest good. This would provide meaningful and timely evidence for decision support of a portfolio of offerings while sustaining or improving the health of the organization and its environment as a holistic system. In the new approach, an organization achieves effectiveness when its outputs induce meaningful outcomes in the environment in line with one or more defined results chains. This approach offers demand-side validation of an organization's portfolio of offerings, whether in business, government, or nonprofit, and thus provides verification of organizational effectiveness, the highest level of performance, by direct observation in the field. This is the first approach to do so. The new approach provides a verifiable concept of organizational effectiveness that creates a capstone to organizational theory and offers a more unified and parsimonious approach to the field. Traditional management practices can be characterized as managing for outputs, valuing efficiency as the highest good. Very little meaning is derived from the successful delivery of outputs alone, however, because the process remains largely disconnected from considerations of environmental context and environmental response. The new approach advocated here can be characterized as managing for meaningful outcomes valuing positive organizational effectiveness as the highest good. It offers a better way to manage by creating a path to more effective organizations, a more meaningful technology for human accomplishment, and a better world. And we're going to leave it at that today. Thanks for joining us. Join us again next time when we'll again consider stories about organizations and their performance. That's all for now.